Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Today, we're chatting with the massively talented Emmy award-winning filmmaker Sharon Leese, all about her new docuseries, Let Us Pray, which is exclusively on investigation discovery. Now here it is. We're so excited to be here with Emmy Award-winning director Sharon Lees today to talk about her new explosive docu-series, Let Us Pray, A Ministry of Scandals. Sharon, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Will you give us and our listeners an overview of the series and more specifically the predatory behaviors within the IFB church at the center of it? Yes. So this is a four-part series that kind of takes people into the world of the independent fundamental Baptist church system that a lot of people are just not really aware of. I mean, there's probably an IFB church down the street from anyone who's listening. There's about estimated 8 million people who are members of this cult-like church. And there's probably about 6,000 churches across America and, and also it's throughout the whole world. It's a kind of a, mo- a movement, actually, that started in the 1950s, and it hasn't changed much. What is really striking about it to me is that they are able to continue to attract and allow predators and uh, pedophiles and abusers to be um, pastors in their churches. And they are allowed to flourish because they have a an underground system of cover-ups. And so they will cover up abuse at all costs. And so women and sometimes men are abused all the time. I mean, it is a culture of um, submission to male leadership. Paige and I were actually fortunate enough to get to see the screener. So we've seen the series. It was incredible and incredibly difficult to watch. But that was something that I noticed while watching it, the fact that they kind of had this system where if someone did something insidious, they would just move them from church to church and they would never report it to the police. They would never let the community know. And so there could be multiple victims of the same predator in one community and they would have no idea about it. And they would just keep getting shuffled from church to church to church. It was shocking because... There's a lot of interviews from um, survivors, and there were even people saying like, oh, California, Southern California. And I just kept thinking Mm -hmm. like, that's our backyard. And you would never, in an ideal world, you never think it's that close to you. I drove by one of those churches yesterday, and I thought of you immediately, Sharon. I was like, oh my gosh, that's one of them. So then I started telling my husband all about it. Like, that's the documentary you saw me watching. Like, that's part of, like, the new docu-series, that's the type of church that it's about. And I just couldn't believe he's like, it's right there. It's like 10 minutes from us. I I couldn't believe it. Yeah, hidden in plain sight. Hidden in plain sight. And I, 
it also brings to me, while I was watching, a lot of what happens with what some people might be maybe more familiar with, the IBLP, the Institute of Basic Life Principles. So it's that same idea of survivors not even really knowing about each other and this predator really is just being shuffled job to job, church to church, and really getting away with horrific things. Yeah. Yeah. They isolate the women. They isolate the families. The only place you can go is church. And so you go there and you have school there and you have Bible study there. Mm-hmm. And then they they brainwash you. They brainwash the parents. I mean, they're uh, it's unbelievable that this actually exists today. And the community continues to grow because I think a number of the survivors even said, well, we were born into it. We had no choice because the family was already involved and they just brought in a whole new generation of potential victims. Yeah, they, they yes. <laughs> Their big thing is about the numbers. And so they'll do all this sort of uh, this soul winning activities. And so you'll see they'll have all the buses and they'll go to different parts of different parts of the cities to recruit people in some cases. I mean, I interviewed people who said that they actually kidnapped kids out of their homes to get them on the buses because they were so fearful that they wouldn't have the numbers. Like these, the the kids would, teenagers would have to go out and say, yes, I, you know, won the souls of 10 people or 20 people or 25 and the numbers would keep going up and up and up. And so they'd also use these tactics to get kids to come on the buses with them where we talk about in in the series where you see they talk about goldfish swallowing so they will go out and say to these young kids like hey come on the bus you want to see us swallow some fish we'll swallow them live right in front of you so that they would actually lure them on the buses this way and they still do this kind of thing today and a lot of these rituals are geared towards breaking those kids wills and towards mind control and eventually torture And as we've been told, that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this group. Yeah. So the IFB not only has churches, it has daycare centers, and it has colleges, and it also has boarding schools. So there are boarding schools all across America that are run by these people in the IFB, and one of the um, one of my subjects in the film is Amanda Householder, and she, her parents ran a boarding school called Circle of Hope Ranch in Humansville, Missouri. And she, as a young child, was made to work at that boarding school, and so she would have to basically torture kids and stand by and know that her father was raping these young kids. So you'll see in in the series that the boarding school gets closed down and that the parents are now, um, they have over 100 felony counts against them and uh, there's a a jury trial scheduled. But a lot of, two of the women in the the series went to, one was involved in the boarding school um, because her parents were, owned it, Amanda. And then Kathy Durbin is also featured in the series and her parents um, sent her to a boarding school as well. And they have these isolation rooms that they lock you in. They um, they make you stand on the wall. Amanda talks about and shows us that we, we do a tour of the, the Circle of Hope Ranch and she stands up to a wall and her nose has to hit the wall. And, and that was her punishment for whatever her, you know, was, was the punishment of the day. 
And she shows us how she's doing that. And Ruthie, another subject she's with her, asks her, well, how long did you have to do this? Did you have to do it for like a whole day? And she said, no, I did it for months, months. And you could only, you couldn't even raise your hand to go to the bathroom. They told you when you could go to the bathroom and they let you go to sleep and then get up in the morning and go stand on the wall. It's my understanding that because these types of schools, specifically the boarding schools, because they're private and religiously affiliated, it can be a lot harder in a lot of states to be punitive with them because they don't have the same regulations as a public school. That's exactly right. They are unregulated schools and they're unregulated prisons, basically. And they will take kids as, uh, uh, as young as five years old there. And then they'll tell the parents before they come to visit their kids or pick them up, they'll say, now, this is what your kid's going to tell you happened here. But that's just manipulative on your kid's part. Your kid still hasn't gotten better. So it it was just such, it's such a nightmare for these kids. It kind of gives me flashbacks of even seeing, there's been a lot of talk in the news lately about those wilderness schools that these people are sending their children to unknowingly. And at least in their case, the parents are, you know, a little bit under the guise of, oh, this is good for the children and we don't really know what's going on, but they're going to take care of them and, you know, bring them out to be better humans. And in this case, the parents actually know what's happening and they're still sending them there. That's kind of shocking to think that a parent who's supposed to protect and love their child would think that this is the best route possible. Yeah, I mean, I think that there probably are some parents who didn't know and don't know that that's what they're sending their kids to, but they're also being brainwashed to believe that they're not a good parent and that they haven't really disciplined their kids the way they need to be disciplined, so they send them off because they can't handle them. And they also may send them out, and as a a kid being wrong could be a girl being raped. It's always the girl's fault if you're raped. Because men are tempted. I mean, that's what they, and if you tempt a man, you're the one that's that's wrong. And you're the reason, you're the reason that he raped you. Which we all know is bull. Right, right. And we have one of the, one of the women in there just talks to Kathy Durbin talks at length about how, uh, how she had punishment. She had to paint the tack barn at her, at her house when she came forward and said that she had been raped. Because her her mom would never call it rape and always blamed her for what happened. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Something that I really applaud about this docuseries is the fact that it's anchored by the testimony of survivors who have come forward because that's so important to Paige and I with our podcast. We're always focused on the victim of the story or the survivor telling their own story when they come on for interviews. And that's something that we're starting to see a real shift in, in the true crime space. And so I just, I really applaud the the fact that you guys chose to do it this route because it is a way to give these people their voices back and um, honor 
the struggles and horrific things that they went through. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you make editing choices and we, in in the uh, final episode, someone gets to go to court and uh, gets to give a very dramatic victim impact statement. So that uh, rapist did actually take the microphone and tried to, and, and talked about, you know, from his perspective to get a, to, to get a lesser sentence. And we decided that there was no place and we had, we had no space left for his voice in this. Like, why would we? And that was really refreshing to be able to do that. The other thing about um, having survivors talk was we felt it was really important. I don't know if you noticed in the, in the interview setups, each of the interview setups had something to do with the girl's past. So um, we really were focusing on them reclaiming a space that had been stolen from them. So for April and Rachel, they're in like a pastor's office set up because that space became unclean to them. So we wanted them to be able to, and we talked to them about this before we told each person what we were thinking of for their space. We had one woman who was on a uh, on a school bus because that's where she did all the soul winning and the, and the goldfish swallowing. Amanda Householder was in an isolation room. We, we didn't want to be traumatizing to the women. So we had long conversations with them before and we we're like, are you up for reclaiming the space? And so they were like at the end, um, Amanda just like tore down the, the carpet on the walls of the, of the isolation room. I noticed that it was um, unexpected locations when the interviews would happen, but that's so interesting to hear the insight and the thoughtfulness that went into all of that. And I am really curious because you're not only the director, but you created the series. So what led you to this story and wanting to share the atrocities that are going on? Well, I'm always attracted to stories that are female-centric. And it was in 2018, there was the, the article that's also, you know, talked about in the, in the series that came out that exposed all these abuses. And there were over 400 Kate allegations that were exposed by Sarah Smith, an investigative reporter. My husband actually put the newspaper on my desk and said, you're, you're probably be interested in this. And it was a whole series of articles. And I started reading them and I was like, wow, I would love to be able to lift up these voices even even higher. So I uh, reached out to the reporter at first, and then she helped me and my co-executive producer, uh, Sam Haig. And we we just started calling the women and talking to them and Zoom interviewing. And, you know, it takes it's a big decision for them to like make sure you're the right person to tell their story and help tell their story. So, you know, gaining their trust is was um, kind of an, an ongoing thing. Um, but we have, you know, obviously like great relationships with them now and they are so excited to get this out. Just out of curiosity, how long was that whole process of pre-production? Because I can't imagine it's like a typical project where you decide you're, you want to tell a story and then you start working on it and you get into it. Because there are so many people involved, there's so many moving pieces. Just from like a production standpoint, how long did that take? So it started when I saw the article at the end of 2018. Uh, then talking to people in 2019, we actually started filming. We did um, what is considered like a development step 
we just on our own started started filming because the blind eye movement, which is in the series that Ruthie started with some other women, um, they were just really gaining some momentum and we wanted to capture that. And because Ruthie was contacted by the prosecutor in 2019 based on these new allegations and the and the reporting of Sarah Smith. So we were like, things are going to be happening and they're going to reopen this case with Ruthie. And so we started filming and then it took another year to like get things together where you start going out and pitching to, to networks and distributors. And then COVID happened. And so that always sets you back because um, trials were stalled and we didn't really know what we were going to be filming. So it was really from 2018 to now you know, 2023, that we got the project launched. We heard a little bit about building trust and relationships with the survivors, checking in with them to see, you know, are you ready to reclaim this space? I love the way that's phrased. Um, How else do we support survivors during projects like this when they're sharing some of the most traumatic moments, stories, events of their life? Yeah, it's, um, I learned a lot through the process because as the director, you need space, you need time to, you know, you're a sponge and you get all this information and then you can imagine how they are feeling. I realized that you need twice as long to do interviews with, um, with survivors because you need to give them time to breathe, to get up and walk around, to go smoke a cigarette, to do whatever they need or talk to someone or make a call. And um, we had counselors that were available to talk to them when they when they needed that. So it's really, um, you really need to give them space and also know that you may have to stop an interview. You may have to redo an interview. There were some interviews with some women that we did a couple times because, um, you know, they weren't ready to go as far. You know, you also need to realize, I think, as someone who's doing the interviews is sometimes you don't need to go that far. Sometimes part of the story is okay. Like, I don't need every single detail. I don't need you to revisit every single little thing. We get it. It was it was horrible. And um, people can use their own imaginations if they want to. That's such a great and I think important point when I'm hearing, you know, you don't always have to go that far. Even if you know what happened because of an article you read or somebody else had reported on that or read a court transcript or something, you don't always have to. And especially if you're speaking with a survivor and you're kind of feeling that in them that they kind of don't want to go there. Um, I went to school um, and have a background in psychology and counseling, and we call that honoring the resistance. It is. It's okay. And maybe some days they might be ready to go there and other days they won't. So I also like hearing that you give them that space to tell them their story a couple of times should they need to. And maybe sometimes they say the same things and maybe sometimes they leave other things out that they didn't before. And so just really working with them, it sounds like, on perfecting the way that they are comfortable telling their story. And I, I really love that because sometimes you you don't always know what kind of pressure a survivor might be feeling. And it sounds like with this project that they really got um, everything that they deserve to be able to to reclaim their story. I really love that. That's so true, Paige, and I'm so glad that you brought that up. Now, to shift us in a different direction, is there anything that you hope viewers take away from this series? Um, yes. I I hope that 
people pay attention to the series so that they learn that the independent fundamental Baptist church system movement exists and so that they can kind of be on the lookout. And I also really um, hope that people in the IFB and women who have been abused will come forward. And I really think that that's very possible with this. I think that some of the, there's going to be a lot of Me Too. And um, and I hope that it gives women the confidence and the strength to say, you know what, maybe I will tell my story and I'm not going to live with the secret forever and I'm not going to let him get away with it. Obviously, there's so much more that we could talk about because mm-hmm. it is such a complex, deep-seated story. But um, I think we should let the docuseries speak for itself. So if you don't mind, will you tell our listeners where they can watch and when they can watch? Yes. So the uh, the series will be premiering as a uh, two-night event starting tonight, uh, November 24th on ID. And uh, we'll then continue on on the 25th, tomorrow night, Saturday, 9, 8 central. And it'll also be streaming on Max. Do you want to plug any socials as well or just the show? People could follow me on Instagram or uh, at Sharon Lease, S-H-A-R-O-N-L-I-E-S-E. What a privilege to get to speak with you. Um, I love what you're doing. I love seeing a woman that sees a story and sees other women involved and decides to give them a spotlight as well. So, Well, thank you. And just uh, just to note, we, in terms of like the gaining trust and respect, um, it was very important to me to have an all-female crew, mostly. Uh, once in a while, we needed to have uh, a male in there. But but anytime we did interviews, the, the room only had women in it. So uh, we think it's really important for, you know, women to lift up other women. We love to see it. We hope that all of our listeners check it out. And we are just so thankful that you joined us today. And what a project. Thank you again. Well, thank you so much for your interest in it. Make sure you follow us on all of our socials at The Murder Diaries Pod. And until then, stay safe. Bye. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.